Hello and welcome to the Get Pucks Deep podcast. I'm your host, John, and I'm here with my partner in crime. I'm Zach Oftenbergy. Oh, we're using last names now? Oh, fine. <laughs> my last name is Amatus, if anybody's interested. Um, so... This is the first inaugural episode of the Get Pucks Deep podcast, and we are hoping to fill a void that we have found within not only the college hockey community, but also the tech hockey community in terms of content that is other than the tech hockey guide or official tech um, news outlet. That sounds about right. So uh, we have a giant doc today. This is probably going to be a bigger episode because we're doing a recap. We're going over the new additions. We're going to cover some NCAA news and some NHL news. So our first section here is about us. Um, basically, we're going to be telling you who we are, what we do, and yeah, a little bit about us. So as you already know our names, I'm John. That's Zach. Zach, what do you do? I am a Michigan Tech alumni. I was heavily involved with the Mitch's Misfits when I was at Michigan Tech. Uh, we travel to tech hockey games and support the team at home. Uh, I am now retired, and I live downstate in Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, do IT engineering. Wow, I wish I could retire at the ripe age of 23. Did I say I was retired? Yes, you did. <laughs> oh. Well, <laughs> retired from the misfits, right? Yeah, yeah retired from hockey. At, uh, no, that's not even right. I just can't talk. This Don't is going to go well. Don't worry, you pull the Zetterberg, you're done. Your back's out. Oh, my back. My back. <laughs> just kidding, I don't have a spine. <laughs> Anyways, my name is John. Like I said, um, I'm also a Michigan Tech graduate. I am still actually in the Houghton Hancock area up here in the UP, and I work at a local engineering firm doing um, fun stuff with lasers at the moment. Um, my degree is specifically in physics, and uh, I get to play around with a lot of stuff in a giant machine shop. Um, so basically, our next section here is the goals of the podcast. Basically, uh, we're doing this for fun. First and foremost is we want everybody to enjoy the content, and we want to enjoy making the content. And it's because we all enjoy hockey, I think. At least most people who are exposed to hockey enjoy it, unless they had a really bad experience, like as a toddler getting their head knocked off or something. Let's be honest. If you're listening to this podcast, you like hockey. Or, or they just know us, and they're going to make fun of us later. Well, that's going to be most of our audience. <laughs> so our, our last goal of this podcast is to just kind of spread more information. We think that the more content out there for hockey, the better. Um, hockey has been growing a lot since the 90s. It was kind of in a giant decline. And then it's kind of making a 180 turn for the best. Um, I can fully attest to this as a Blackhawks fan. Um, yeah, yeah, we used to be able to go to the games for like five bucks. Um, okay, so next is a preview of the format. So our goal here is around a, a three-period kind of hockey game format, so three large sections, and then um, if there's anything, le- um, anything to add on at the end, we'll have an overtime. Okay, so moving on to period number one, which is going to be focused on tech hockey. So the first topic here is the last season wrap-up. Um, Zach, can I get a hot take on the new coach? What a guy. Well, the new coach going into last season was Joe Sean, and he had some big shoes to fill. Uh, Mel Pearson had just left the team and had done a really good job turning the team around. So it comes in and the tech hockey team had been in the last six years turned around pretty substantially. And so we had a lot of success. New coach comes in. Don't really know what the expectations are. Well, it should be put in mind here, though, that he, he was, was the assistant. Now, so right. it's kind of within that framework. Yes. Yeah, so he, he has, did have he head, coaching, head experience coaching experience going in and yeah. he had been the assistant at Michigan Tech last several years so you knew he was familiar with the team uh, and familiar with some of the new recruits coming in 
And he's an Upper Peninsula native. From the UP, so that's always a good good thing. You're going to say here, but yeah, you're oh, born. Shut up. <laughs> okay, so um, we had um, kind of mixed expectations, I would say. Um, we wanted to just kind of see where we are. It was more of a, a transition year. We had a, a bad goalie situation where we didn't know who, we, who our starter was. Goalie situation was really my biggest concern going into the year. Obviously, the, the new coach impacts things quite a bit, but the the biggest issue I saw coming into the season was our, our inconsistency in the net. Uh, we really didn't know who was going to be starting after Angus Redmond left. Uh, we knew we still had Devin Carroll around. Uh, we had a new uh, new players in Robbie Badoon and Packy Munson coming in. Uh, but we really didn't have any idea who the starter was going to be coming in and if they were going to be any good. Yeah, um, I, I would agree 100%. Um, also, going back to last season, we did have some pretty bad injuries in the second half. Oh, yeah. Um, that- especially with... Baltus, Ranky, and Blacklocks. Um, our defensive core was really, really lacking without Ranky, for example. Mm-hmm. We had to rely on a lot of underclassmen uh, in the last half of the season, and we did struggle uh, during that time. Oh yeah, I, I can, I can attest to that. Um, we were able to kind of turn it around, probably. Right, I would say right after the ASU series. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, next thing was the WCHA playoffs. We were the Road Warriors. Um, Zach and I can attest to this because as being e-board members for the Misfits, I was the treasurer. Um, we were planning uh, hockey trips every three days. It was uh, something. Three to four days. Sometimes we got four days to plan it in. Sometimes, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah was, so, it was a long month or so. But we started yeah. out in Bemidji. Uh, we were the five seed in the 4-5 matchup and really went in. I don't think most of us had a lot of expectations going into that series. I was I was expecting to lose, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't able to make it to that series, but I was watching from home, and I, I fully expected us to lose that series. To be honest, um, but yeah. we were pleasantly surprised, and we were able to pull off a, a sweep there in in Bemidji. Yeah, fun fact about Bemidji: it's really boring as a city. Besides, like the only thing there is a Paul Bunyan statue that one of our friends got way too obsessed about. Babe, the Blue Hawks. Well, I mean, this season though, I'm kind of excited because they're doing an on ice or they're doing on the lake. Yeah, an outdoor classic for... And yeah. Chicago's not involved. It's kind of weird. I know, Hey, now, they're going to be in Notre Dame eventually. All right, John. Okay. It's basically home ice advantage for the Hawks. I, I don't know why they agreed to that. But um, anyways, from Bemidji, we miraculously won after the student section came and tried to quiet the Misfits. They did not. And uh, we got to go to the next Minnesota town, that is Minnesota Mankato. Minnesota Mankato was a fun trip. I was able to go for that one. And again, we went in sure that we weren't going to win this series. Minnesota State was ranked third in the nation at the time. Uh, yeah. And we'll see a really good team last year. Uh, yep. So so we lost the first game, which we kind of expected. Yeah. Lost the first game. Uh, and in, at this point in the season, Devin Caro has established himself as the starter. He's played consistently mm-hmm. fine. It has not been Five. spectacular, but he's been consistent, uh, which has been enough with the rest of the team uh, coming off of injuries. We had a pretty solid defensive core and a decent offense again uh, with everyone coming back from injuries, like I said. And so having just stable goaltending was enough for us to be doing well against, say, Bemidji. Um, yep. That wasn't enough against Mankato. 
Nope. Um, should be noted after game number one, I think Carroll had a groin injury. Uh, I do remember it was an injury, uh, something lower body. I don't know what it was yeah. specifically. And then um, we had the uh, we had the uh, hot or not Packy Munson fill in, and by that I mean he's either really good or really bad at the same time. Yeah, Packy Munson can be spectacular, or he can be atrocious. And yep. during the playoffs, he played out of his mind spectacularly. Yep. Um, we should keep noted here, though, at the beginning of the season, he was averaging around three goals against the game, but Tech was averaging, I think, around four to five goals a game. So for whatever reason, our offense was just balls to the walls, just firing. Yeah, we were playing a pretty aggressive style in the beginning of the season, and I think that had something to do with it. Yeah, but then again, that aggressive style kind of led to a led to the injury buildup as well. Okay, so from there we uh, do you, do you want to talk at all about game two or uh, just I don't remember. Okay, it was just it was kind of like a, a hot flash through my mind. Fair enough. Game three is what what kind of kind of stuck stayed there. with me. Yeah, yeah, because um we we took them to overtime and uh, somehow we won. That was one of the craziest games I've ever been a part of. Uh, I yep. I I don't even remember about half of it, but nope. it was. It was insane. We were going nuts. Yeah. Mankato's fans were going nuts. I gotta shout out the Maverick Machine. They're they're banned at Mankato. Oh yeah, the, the they were a lot of fun. The beginning of the games. Yeah, oh they would get together and play. You know, do song um, battle of the bands. That's the word I'm looking for. They do a battle yeah. of the bands, and uh, Man- the, their band was really nice. They're really friendly. Uh, it's what you want your student section to be like. So it was a lot of fun to, to be there going versus them and the fans yeah for sure it was it was a fun time the music was pretty good i uh, absolutely hate the mankato's goal song but that's just a oh, personal yeah, preference yeah. i mean it makes sense i mean they're they're bulls and so so they but like yeah it, that it's, one hurts it's, to hear it just hurts it's it's like it's like a wings fan hearing the the blackhawks goal song to me see i like the song it's fine it just brings good forth good memories oh i still um, like the song even if it's not yeah. great memories Okay, so we miraculously won in overtime via a goal by Jake Jackson. We all went nuts. I remember that. Mm -hmm. And then basically none of us could sleep on the bus ride home, and we were planning the trip to one Northern Michigan University. Yeah, that was a fun fun week or so trying to get that trip planned. I'm not going to – won't say too much, but – Oh, here I will. This is fine. So – Northern Michigan did a specific ticket policy where you needed to show up to the stadium in person to buy the tickets. Now, keep in mind, uh, Zach, can you give me a hot take on how far away uh, Mankato, Minnesota is from the Houghton area? Oh, I think it's about uh, about eight or nine hours from, from Houghton. Was that about right? In a bus drive? That sounds about right because that bus is only going 55 to 60 miles an hour. Yeah, in a bus, I think it's about eight to nine hours. Yep, we, we left that night. We got there at, what, 6 a.m.? Uh, we, we got into Houghton around 7 a.m., I believe. 7 a.m., and then we had two guys basically speed to Marquette bear in mind, in line. Bear in mind, for, driving at a reasonable pace, even a relatively quick pace. It's about a two-hour drive from Houghton to the Barry Event Center. And, uh, oh, yeah, they, true, yeah. They, they did open their ticket sales at 8 a.m. Yep. So moral of the story is is um, they didn't make their tickets available online or via phone to call. And as a student org, we usually have a person that we go to for each university. So our travel coordinator has a specific contact at Northern Michigan to get tickets from. And they're super nice and everything. They're very respectful. Um, the fans, not so much, but the people are. 
Um, moral of the story is we didn't get tickets. Um, we didn't know if we were going to go to the game. And then um, through the miracles of hockey gods, um, Michigan Tech actually hooked us up with some of the tickets that they were allotted. I think it was they were allotted like, what, 150 tickets or something? I believe there was a conference call between the athletic directors of, I believe, every team in the WCHA um, that was something to the effect. The result of it was something to the effect of Northern, you have to let some people show up. Um, so moral of the story is is um, Northern allotted Michigan Tech a certain number of tickets, and then after the players and families got first dibs, of course, um, they opened up tickets to the Misfits, and then the Misfits were able to... Um, so they gave us the Misfits tickets, I think, around like 50 or 60. It was right around 50, yeah. Yep, and then we were able to distribute them fairly and evenly among the people. So luckily, we were able to go. Um, Zach and I both went. It was a great game. We, it was fantastic. We, I don't know how we shut them out, but we did. And like the icing on the cake was just they scored a goal, but it got taken off because of offsides. So <laughs> that, was, that a, was great. Wasn't and, that a high stick? Or yeah, high stick. Sorry, yeah, it was a high stick. Call. I thought it, I thought it was offsides to begin with. No. And then um, we saw Patrick Munson um, taunting the fans, which was also great. <laughs> He's quite the character. Yes, yes, he is. But he uh, stood on his head for sure for the oh, yeah. entire entirety of the Mankato and Northern game. Like, oh yeah, he absolutely. was playing fantastically. There yeah, a we're talking of saves, like Marty Burgor good. A couple of saves that I still don't know how he made, and I've seen him like 20 or 30 times. It's yeah. insane. So after the WCHA playoffs, we got to, I believe, bum around for a week, and then we got to watch the uh, bid selection thing, right? On ESPN? Yeah, so we did watch the bid selection. Uh, we had figured out, for the most part, we were able to figure it out where we were going to go um, just from mm-hmm. looking we at where we didn't. ranked. Um, but no, I mean, we figured oh, out. Oh, figured out who we were playing, the, right? Sorry. Yeah, who we were playing, where we're going. This is this is where it gets a little, <clears throat> right. a little complainy. Um, so, hey, Zach, uh, can you tell me where we're located uh, geographically within the United States? Michigan Tech is in Houghton, Michigan, which is way up on the western side of the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, so it's, can you give me it's, a ballpark of the region? Uh, it's north of Wisconsin. If you if you went from like Madison, well, what's the what's, name for what's the name for the states in that area? Uh, basically Canada. No, it's called the Midwest. The Midwest, yeah, that's a yes, that's a pretty it's, it's, fair it's the Midwest. Pretty fair uh, term um, for it. Can you please tell me where the Midwest game was scheduled? I believe that was going to take place in North Dakota. No, was actually, it South Dakota? I, th- I thought it was in Pennsylvania. Hmm. Was I that the was, was the West region? Yeah, the West region. Oh, is was was Dakota. Dakota. Okay. Midwest was Pennsylvania, which is on the East Coast. Right. And then we got put into I forgot which one. I think it was the Eastern Conference or the like the Northeast, which was Connecticut for whatever reason. Bridgeport, yep. Connecticut. So and not only of, not only did we get placed in Bridgeport, Connecticut, we got the Friday at three p.m. Eastern in Bridgeport, Connecticut game meaning that um going on to our next topic here is we went to that game and it was a 22-hour bus ride that we left on i believe wednesday uh wednesday morning yep at uh literally on the bus for for over a day almost and uh that was something i will say we left we left thursday yeah we left thursday at like 9 a.m thursday at 9 a.m yeah yeah we were on that bus for a long time we made it we made it with decent amount of time to spare, to be honest. Yeah. After they curbed the bus in Marquette, but yeah, we made it. Oh come on, that was that was hilarious. I don't even remember that. 
Yeah, and then I will say I have to give props to Michigan Tech. Um, we were put up in a pretty nice hotel. Yeah, they took too. real good care of us uh, on the playoff trips. They the university was supporting uh, the athletic department uh, was yep, supporting us uh, a lot, helping us get students out there uh, at discounted rates so that we could actually afford to go and make trips like this. Um, so thank you a lot for that. That that means a lot yeah. to the the student orgs. Yeah, for sure. Um, it was a it was a great time. It also saved the student org a lot of money because tickets are expensive, housing's expensive, travel's expensive. So when you are able to knock out one of the big three, there it, it really helps. Yeah, or actually two of the big three because the bus was also the bus provided. and the hotels. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was a really big help. So if we want to go now, um, we played number one in the in, in our area, um, Notre Dame. Number two overall. Uh, number two overall, correct. And then. Um, <laughs> Going off of what you saw there, what did you like about us from that game? I think that we played a really good game. Uh, we played well defensively. We had good opportunities uh, offensively. We were able to generate some... some. How do I put this? Um, our forwards are quick, and they really used some of their speed to get to pucks that Notre Dame wasn't able to get to in time uh, that generated op- offensive opportunities. Uh, Packy uh Packy Munson stood on his head again uh and kind of helped bail us out a few times when we were taking those somewhat aggressive offensive chances uh and he oh, would yeah. get left you know with a you know one on oh or a two on one situation and you really need your goaltender to step up and a lot of the times he did in that game yeah um I really liked our speed I really liked our defense um I felt the officiating was a little um, lax in the sense of they just weren't calling anything. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. It was definitely kind of I feel like, lax. I feel like they should have called more for both sides, not, right. not just one or the other. I, I don't think it was particularly biased, though. I do think that it was pretty fair officiating. It was just they called it very loosely. Yeah, what I say, well, um, what we did, what I did see that we needed to improve upon was, I think, um, more or less just player positioning. If we're going to take those aggressive leads, um, it seems like we just get three guys down deep with the defenseman kind of in the middle and then one behind. So if they ever were able to get the puck out, they would just be like a one-on-two opportunity. And I'm not comfortable with that technically, or just generally. I just want to see a nice clean-cut game where everything's just buttoned up. Right. There's there's benefits to both sides there. I mean, obviously, you do want to play a little more, I don't want to say passively, but uh, defensively to prevent those breakaways and chances like that. Uh, but you don't generate as many chances playing in a, a more defensive way. So you kind of have to weigh out whether you think your team's going to be able to capitalize on those offensive opportunities uh, more than the other team. And a lot of that, I think, comes down to goaltending. Um, mm-hmm. if your goaltender's hot, uh, I'm inclined to say, go for it, you know, air it out a little bit, make their goalie, make the saves. If you're trusting yours, that your goalie will. Yeah. Rewatching the game. I really did think that we were going to all the hard areas too, as well. Um, we were beating them in front of their net, which is um, something that you can't really do against Notre Dame. So, um, us showing that gave me some hope for at least next season as well. Um, moving on, who would you say the player of the game was for tech in that game? I would probably say Packy. I thought he was playing really well. Um, mm-hmm. It's always kind of hard to give it to a goalie just because it's hard to compare them to other positions, but I thought Packy played out of his mind. Yeah, I would probably give it to Joel Esperance. Um, he was able to basically become a presence, be annoying, use his strength, and 
I would say just and just be be a not necessarily a pylon, but just like in the way. Right to be able to get down into the into the crease and play a physical game and oh, and yeah. really make space down there and be hard to move, screen the goalie, stuff like that. Yeah, he played. Yeah, he, he played really well. He'll definitely be missed. Um, good luck. Good luck to him in uh, Dallas, Texas. Yes. Okay, so moving on, we are looking forward to the new season now, and as in college hockey and in basically every other hockey, um, a new season means new players. So we have gotten all the new players up to the tech lineup and we're going to be go starting with the forwards and the defensemen and then the one new goaltender so to begin with we have i'm going to probably botch his name here andrew ballant from linden michigan and he played in the nahl in bismarck and it's looking like his last season here he split between two teams he had a total points of around uh, 41 in around 50 games i'd say uh yeah that looks about right yeah, overall, I'd say he's a pretty standard player. Um, he's a little on the shorter side. I say, yeah, I, that's that's what I was going to note about him. Is he's kind of a small guy. He's only five nine, one hundred sixty pounds. Uh, it's a bit small, but we've had plenty of players who've been small and successful. Uh, yeah. Gavin Gould. So, something so, to note here, though, is his penalty minutes as well, though. Um, yeah, his penalty was, minutes is, he, has been very high. Uh, he's in the two hundreds of penalty minutes for fifty games. So, yeah, so that's that's. that's a little concerning. You kind of wonder if he's going to play somewhat similar to a Gavin Gould, where he's he's small, but he's feisty, and he's going to be going and fighting. You know, not fighting, but uh, playing yeah. aggressively, playing the body, and and, and drawing those kind of penalties. Um, well, I would say that if he's getting the same point total that he had in 2016 and 17 with the 55 points in uh, 56 games, I think I'd be okay then because he had 156 penalty minutes, and with that kind of output i'd say it's kind of justified he's just going hard and playing hard but versus if um this year's i'd say he would need to justify his offensive potential more before i get okay with the penalty minutes right that's something to look out for with this guy yeah next next up on the list is we have trenton bliss he's from dallas texas and he is playing he played for green bay in the ushl yep with the green bay gamblers the Green Bay Gamblers, thank you very much. Last season, he had a total games played of 60 with total points in 55 and then 55 penalty minutes. So all around, I'd say he had a good good year. Yeah, much more manageable. Not as uh, You're not as afraid of the penalty minutes there. Um, mm-hmm. A little bit bigger guy, 6'1", 190. So, you know, he's a pretty decent uh, sized guy. I don't think he really is going to get too much bigger. He doesn't have to fill out the frame really so much. There's a couple guys further down that are they're tall and kind of tall, skinny guys that yeah, I, yeah. I expect to, to grow a bunch in the next couple of years. The only thing I can see from him maybe is um, bulking out a little bit, but at least from the stock photos that we're seeing here, um, he could uh, he could fill out some more muscle. But yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, all just as a note as well, all of this information is widely available on Elite Prospects. Um, EliteProspects.com. I just up with that sponsor. Thank you. Um, ne- <laughs> next, move it up. <laughs> Next on the list here, ooh, I don't have it pulled up. Pulled up. It's Alec Brotzeman, and yeah. he is from Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, he played for the, at the the Madison Capitals. Uh, I actually, actually know that he, rink. That's where I learned to skate. He's actually from Hudson, Wisconsin, to be specific. He yeah. is again six one one ninety, so the same kind of build as Trenton. Mm-hmm. Um, last season for the Madison Capitals in the C League and the USHL. He had 59 games played, 50 points, and 76 penalty minutes. So, again, I'd say like a Trenton Bliss mm-hmm. kind of level here. Both, 
Yep, both left-handed. Um, one one he just happens to be a, a left wing, while the other guy is probably a center. And um, I think they'll probably go hand in hand, or um, Joe Sean will split them up just to get the the size comparison. That he yeah, wants, I feel like he, he probably won't put them together. Uh, I feel like you'd want the the bigger guys a little bit separated, throw a little more speed yeah. in with them. Uh, but I'm looking forward to watching this guy play. I uh, was able to find a few highlights online from his his time at the Capitals, and he looks pretty good. Um, I'm excited to see him. Yeah, I'm um, I'm a little concerned though with the size um, comparison. Is if speed is going to be decreasing this year as opposed to last year? Oh, and just one note: uh, when you're looking at the the Madison Capitals, uh, that was that he was the captain uh, for oh, the team, not, not the that C he was team. the okay. No, my, he was the captain for the, the Capitals last year. Um, okay, that's not embarrassing at all. Okay, <laughs> <can> next up <laughs> is Brian Hellenin. Oh God, another right. one. Yeah, <laughs> not Hennenin. It's Hellenin. Um, he hails from uh, Delano, Michigan, or Minnesota. Minnesota. My apologies. And then he plays for Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. Thank Des Moines. you. It's been a rough year. Um, Des Moines in the USHL. Um, he had a total of 56, 59 games played, 35 points, and 40 penalty minutes. Um, and to be honest, I'm surprised by that. Everything I've heard about this guy is that he is a physical player. He is pretty socky. He likes to play aggressively. Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's going to, from what I've heard, he's going to remind me a lot of uh, Blake Piedela. It goes back a few mm-hmm. years, but uh, kind of a chippy player. Really likes to get uh, under the the skin of the opponents and, and well, get in their faces. Here's the thing to note. Um, in his 2016-2017 year, he bounced around, but at the Delano High, um, I don't know if that's like a high school team or something, but uh, the USHSMN, I'm thinking that's a high school team. He played 25 games and had 81 points. So I think we may have saw saw him just kind of in a transition year in terms of skill right. and maybe maybe a possible injury or something as well. Yeah. Um, it could just be a skill year as well. Uh, Delano High is is a high school team. He would have been uh, 17 at the time. So Oh, yeah. He's only, he's 19. only 19. Yeah, he's a young yeah. young player coming in. Yeah, he's also a, a big guy, again, 6 foot, uh, 200 pounds. Mm-hmm. So um, from what we've seen here, there's a trend of just we're getting some bigger guys. Next up on the list here, and this is this guy's actually been making the most news, at least from what I've heard, is Zach Noble. Um, he's from Thomas Rivers, New Jersey, and he played for Aberdeen um, in the NAHL. He had 55 games played and 42 points overall with only 24 penalty minutes. Yeah, he's, he's one of the guys I was talking about who's real tall but not very big yet. He's 6'2 and only 165 pounds. So you're really expecting him to uh, to hit the weights and and bulk up a bit. Um, I've heard good things about him. I think he can be really good. Uh, but if he can put on some more muscle, get a little bigger, uh, you can add a little more physicality to his game, and I think that'll help him a lot. Yeah, I think with the with the larger frame and the and the smaller weight, though, I think he's probably my guess would be pretty fast. That's probably accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his stuff's been pretty okay. He's looking like, for the most part, he's just under a, p- a point per game from his history here. Um, notable exception would be his first year in the NAHL with 54 games and only 10 points, but that's most likely a transition year as well. He was probably playing on a lower line, not getting as many minutes. Yeah, that's probably, um, probably right. Yep, okay, so you're going to have to help me here maybe. Our next guy is Tommy Pero- Perotino. That sound right? Perotino? 
Paratino? I, I I have no idea. Parrotino? Like parrot? Parrot Paratino. Paratino. Okay. That's my guess. But okay. what do I know? Um, <laughs> anyways, moral of the story here, he hails from Rochester Hills, Minnesota. So right around you, um, he's from Youngstown, Michigan, in the U- Youngstown in the USHL. Um, he was an alternate captain. That's what that A means. Thank you, Zach. Um, he played in 56 games and had 30 points last year with only six penalty minutes. So he's a relatively cleaner player. He's, I'd say, middle of the road um, at 5'11", uh, 160 pounds. Um, care to comment at all? I'd say he's still I'd, at 5'11", I think 160 is a little bit undersized, but not terribly. Uh, incoming as a freshman, that's that's not anything to be worried about. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would expect that he'd put on a little bit more weight, uh, be closer yeah. to 170, 175, would be my guess, so, in the next couple so of years. He did play in Des Moines as well, or, or Des Moines, whatever. Um, so he's probably played with uh, Brian H- Halenen. Um, possibly, and I would, by the looks of this, it's he was through a transition year for everything because um, 15 16 he was averaging around two points a game, and then he went up to juniors, then under 18, and, and then USHL. So right. I'm assuming he just had a bunch of bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like he played on a lot of teams over the last couple of years. Yep, so he finally ended up on the NCAA. And next up, we have oh, thank you for giving me a pronunciation here, Tanner Polglaz. He hails from Ble- Beloit. Beloit. Beloit, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Hey, nice he was place. born a day after me, except two years later. Now Anyways, everyone knows uh, John's birthday if they look up Tanner Polglas's birthday. Yeah. Anyways, he played for the Jansonville Jets in the NAHL. Janesville. Janesville, thank you. 60 games with 43 points, 62 penalty minutes. So I'd say that's pretty average. Yeah, that's about about what I'd expect. Um, yeah, that would be his uh, basically his second and a half year in the NHL because he made a transition mid 2015-16 season. He comes in at 5'11", 174 pounds. Pretty average. I don't really know what else to say about this guy. Yeah, I will say for our forwards, for the most part, though, we did get some big guys. So we are like replacing our Joel Lesperons, but not like to complete like five foot four level. Right. Okay. M- moving on to the defensemen. We have Tyrell Buckley. Did I get that right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yeah. He hails from Pentaton, British Columbia? No idea. It's not Wisconsin. (laughs) Good enough. Um, He played in the BCHL in the Marinette Centennials. 55 games, 39 points, uh, 74 penalty minutes. Um, Something to note here is that he was, two years ago, he was the assistant captain, and last year he was the captain of the team. So there's a little bit of leadership coming in from there. Also, I've just been general been pretty happy with the players we've gotten from the BCHL in the last couple of years. So I'm I'm excited to have a few more guys coming from that league. Oh, for sure. Um, Michigan Tech has always had a history of having Canadian players, especially from British Columbia, is one of the big ones. Right. We've recruited very well from the BCHL, so it's good to see more people yeah. coming from there. Um, Terrell is also 5'11", 165 pounds. Um, also shoots left. From what I've noticed here, we've picked up at least three or four left-handed shots as opposed to the right-handers. Um, uh, anyways, I'm not really noticing that, yeah. But yeah. Anyways, um, going back to stats at the moment, um, his point his point differential was um 11 goals, uh, 28 assists. So he looks like he was able to get in there and get a few tip-ins as well to help start some plays. Um, I will say from our 
from our graduating class, I think we will need another playmaker with Mark Ock being gone. Yeah, and also I'm hoping that uh, one of these defensemen we bring in is a little bit more of a puck mover, kind of like Mitch Ranky was. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to be our defense is going to need to step up a lot with the incoming people and also the the returning class. Um, hoping some yeah. of the uh, the people coming in now as sophomores this year can really take a step or two. Um, I really think Seamus Donahue will make a big difference this season as opposed to last season as well. Like I think he'll progress in strides. Um, next up is Eric Gout. Gots. Gots. We're going to go with Gots. Gots, yeah. <laughs> Got him. Dude, there's going to be so many signs for that. Um, anyways, <laughs> he hails from Hermantown, Minnesota. He is 5'10", 183 pounds, so your average weight for a 5'10 guy who does sports. He had played for the Minnesota Wilderness in the NAHL, 60 games, uh, 8 goals, 39 assists, 47 points in total. Um, 34 penalty minutes. I think the biggest thing to note about him is his plus or minus rating is 26. Yeah, I was looking at that and going, wow. Uh, you, you have to wonder how good uh, the Minnesota Wilderness were that last year um, as to whether he was just playing on a really good team or if uh, if he really was that much of a contributor. Uh, I so think I actually he, pulled that team up I, right now. Uh, I haven't actually mm-hmm. found what their record was last year. Uh, but just looking at uh, the point total points on the team and whatnot, uh, he led the team in points uh, and led the team in assists. Obviously, he didn't lead the team in goals since he only had uh, eight of them. But the fact that he led the team in points and had a plus-minus that high uh, seems like a good thing. I think he'll be a pretty good playmaker, in my opinion, um, with that differential and with that assist count. So I, I, we're, I think we'll look to him as to bring pucks in the zone with the forwards going on in front of him. Yeah, I've not been able to see him play at all, um, but I'm in, uh, just looking at his stat line, I'm excited to see him play. I think he should be able to contribute. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to our last defenseman here, we have Colin Sawyer. Yep. Yep, I'm going to go with Sawyer. He hails from Hinsdale, Illinois. Oh. That's uh, right around my area-ish. Um, he played in Sioux Falls Stampede USHL, 60 games, 7 goals, 29 assists, 36 points in total, with a point different, uh, with a plus-minus of 10. He's 5'10", 180 pounds. Again, I'm thinking the same thing as what Eric is, um, maybe just to a lesser degree, or it could just be the team he was on. Yeah, it definitely could be the team he was on, um, but I... Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot about Colin Sawyer. I believe he was actually supposed to come in last year, uh, but wasn't able to due to how many people we had coming in already. Uh, but I think he was supposed to be coming in in last year's class. Yeah. So we have saved the best for last, and we're going to be talking about the goaltender situation now. Um, so this is from what we know as of right now is that Patrick Munson will not be on the roster this year and that we will begin a transfer of Matt Jurisic from he used to play for Minnesota and he went back to juniors and then he's coming back to us now so he's from LaGrange Illinois um, six foot two 190 pounds and his record last year was out of 49 games played he had a goals against average of two Point eight four eight nine with a save percentage of nine oh six. I, I think it's a sign. Yeah, I think that the save percentage of nine oh six is definitely a sign that he is the savior of the franchise or the the, the university's hockey team here. 
Uh, he still has two years of eligibility. He played only two years at Wisconsin from 2015 to 2017, where his record was not the best. Yeah, that's that is true. Uh, the year that he got the most games played, though, was a year when Wisconsin was really struggling. If I remember correctly, the 15-16 season, uh, Wisconsin mm-hmm. was not good. Um, so are we talking like Minis- uh, Michigan State not good or even worse? Uh, I don't know if they were quite that bad, but they were they were pretty close. Okay. Um, they really turned um, it think- around the last couple of years, though. Yeah, I think to note um, when Jurisic went back to went back to um, juniors, he did improve his stats quite dramatically, to be honest. Okay, um, so moving on um, to our next topic here is players to watch out for. Um, so, Zach, you got a couple picks lined up here. You want to explain them? Yeah. So, obvious, my first thing would be the returning player to watch, and I'm going to go with Justin Misiak on that one. Uh, Justin Misiak, uh, along with kind of Grayson Reitmeyer, they were on a line together, and they, coming in as freshmen last year, they looked really good. I was impressed by both of them. Uh, Misiak was the one who stood out to me a little bit more, uh, though Reitmeyer was also quite good, and a lot of what they did went hand-in-hand. Uh, but I'm really hoping that Misiak can take another step forward and go from being a, a really good third liner to being a you know an adequate uh, either an adequate first liner or a really good second liner. Uh, so the best player on the team, I think, or the, the player who is going to have to be the best player if we're going to be successful is Jake Lucini. Uh, I think he was one of the best players on the team last year, uh, and I think that he's still got more that he can do. Uh, if he can step up and become a bonafide star, the kind of guy who can step in and just take over a game whenever he's on the ice, uh, Tech can be very successful. And I think that that's something that he's going to be able to do. Uh, for incoming players to watch, I've actually got two that I want to talk about. Uh, Alex Bratzman is, I think, my favorite forward that we're coming in. Part of that is just because I've actually been able to find video of him playing and I was pretty impressed by how he was playing. Um, it's a little harder to find clips of, of juniors players, but uh, I was able to find some stuff there and he looked, he looked good. Uh, and then Eric Goetz uh, coming in on defense. I've not seen anything about him play, but all of the stats look really good. So I'm really excited about watching him play. And then just kind of the storyline for the year. Uh, is going to be the goaltending carousel part two electric boogaloo. You know, last year we had the same thing going on uh, with three goalies and no idea who the starter was uh, for pretty much the whole year. Uh, during playoffs, Packy stepped up and really looked like, okay, Packy's going to be the starter and here we go. And, and now he's not on the team anymore. And so we're back to the same thing where we've got a couple of goalies, no clear starter, and you just hope that one of them is going to be able to step up and be uh, – you, you need them to be consistent, but you hope that they can be consistent and better than uh, better than Caro was last year, whether it be Caro or, or one of the new guys or – we'll Be-Dune. see. Be- yeah, Caro, yeah. Baidoon, or, uh, or Matt coming Jersey. in. You know, you hope one of them can do – can be consistent, but also better than we had for most of last year. Yeah, for sure. Um, for my picks here, the returning player to watch, I think, is Jake Jackson. He's made definitely made strides from his time here at Tech. Um, from what I've from what I've seen, it's like he's almost gotten faster every year. 
Um, his goals have gone up every year as well, and I think he's more of a influential player on the team as well. So he's taking that leadership role. He's getting down there. He's leading by example. For um, that being said, though, I think our best player is Gavin Gould. Um, he's been able to step up in areas that we need him. Um, for example, I think it was two years ago at the WCHA um, championship game where he scored, what, three goals? I think it was or, two. I believe it was two. It was two. But he had a, he had he had a very a, good he game. Had a hat, he had a hat trick sometime, I thought. Uh, that wasn't in the championship game, I don't believe. It was in the playoffs, though, right? It, I do believe so. Yeah, so he was able to step up then. Um, a lot of teams decided to, I guess, play him a lot differently this season. But I think he'll adapt, and I think he'll. I think his goals will just keep going up if he keeps doing what he's doing. Um, incoming player to watch. I'm going off of Zach's story to watch is uh, Matt Drissick. Um, I think it's going to be a really good um, a redemption story. I guess um, he didn't do that well at Wisconsin. Yes, they were having a hard time, but it's it's still. It's still going to be a story to watch because it's going to be interesting to see how well he does at a different school, and especially since our defense is so untested and new. Um, our story to watch is the Dragon Ball Z WCHA power struggle. Um, that being said is that the WCHA has a tendency to just have really weird things happen. For example, Northern was ranked pretty low on the prediction scales by, for example, the Tech Hockey Guide and the um, Media Poll. But in the end, they were the runners-up to the championship game for the playoffs. So I think it's going to be, at least for my top teams here, would probably be Mankato, Bemidji, and maybe even us. I, I don't even know where we are, though, yet. Um, games to watch out for the season and predictions for the Huskies, Zach. Well, obviously, the the biggest game to look out for if you're a Tech fan is going to be the series against Bemidji. If you can get out to that series where they're going to be playing the outdoor game, I think that's going to be something to watch. That's going to be a lot of fun, uh, both for the event of an outdoor game, which doesn't happen very often in college hockey, uh, and then also just a game between Tech and Bemidji. Bemidji. Always good hockey. Bemidji's a really good team. Uh, I think Tech will be, again, this year, be a very good team. Um, and so Bemidji versus Tech games are always fun. Add on top yep. of that, the outdoor game should be a blast. One thing I, one thing I will give um, Bemidji a compliment for is they always seem to play it very calmly, whether or not they're winning or losing. Yeah, they're a very control-based team. Like they, yeah. they control the puck really well, and they make smart passes. Yep. So where do you predict the Huskies to finish this year? If I had to guess, I think that Tech will probably finish third in the WCHA after Mankato and Bemidji. Uh, but like you said, the WCHA is always uh, always entertaining. Uh, Northern looks like they'll be pretty good next year as well. Um, but yeah. my heart won't let me put them above tech. <laughs> so the games I want to watch out for here is actually the opening series against uh, the national championship Minnesota Duluth Bulldogs, for example. I think that's going to be a very good gauge for how we are this season, just like the Icebreaker was a good gauge for us. Um. In addition, the outdoor game is going to be fun. Um, I would also probably highlight the Tech Northern games as well because those are just always a fun time. My yeah. prediction is I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna shoot for the moon here. I'm gonna say we probably come in second. Who do you have finishing first? Probably Minnesota State, just because they do have a, a lot of good talent coming back, and in addition to the leadership that they have leaving, everybody knows it's going to make an impact on how the team plays for the the following year. So the so if the new players follow the old players' example, I think they're in a really good spot, and plus their head coach is fantastic. Oh, yeah. They, he really is. 
Yep. Okay, so moving on to the second period now, and that is NCAA hockey in general. So it's we got some big news, but it's not a lot of news. Does that, does that sound reasonable? That's pretty accurate. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of news out there, but I don't follow the rest of the teams outside the WCHA closely enough to, to know the, the big news for each team. Uh, yeah. Um, some notable things here I just want to add in just for big news is um, word on the street is that the uh, Mun Ice Arena is getting a renovation. Um, that was shown in um, the college hockey, R slash college hockey. Um, other than that, we have a few teams getting some new jerseys. I think um, the Fighting Hawks are getting a new jersey design and a few other teams on the East Coast. Um, please uh, pardon me for not memorizing I, memorizing the teams off the top of my head. So the big focus for the NCAA for this topic, though, for us is going to be the giant rule changes that happened over the, over the summer. So for those who aren't in the loop, basically what happened was is the NCAA rule committee wanted to take a look at the rules. I, th- I believe they do it every two seasons. And um, the big thing here to note was the overtime rule changes. Because how it was before is that you're required to do a five-on-five, five-minute overtime, and then it's it's a tie in the pairwise. But um, conferences were able to add their own things at the end. So, for example, the WCHA had a five-on-five, then three-on-three, then shootout. Um, everybody else, for as far as I know, just had a five-on-five and then a shootout to determine the winner. And that's just for conference standings, not NCAA pairwise. So, the rule changes that they gave was. Pretty, I'm going to say pretty lackluster. They really, really just kind of shot the board, if you ask me. Um, basically, your overtime choices now are 5-on-5 five five standard to shootout, like normal, or 5-minute standard to 5-minute 5-on-5 to 3-minute or 5-minute 3-on-3, and then shootout as well. So I've not actually read this rule, so I just want to make sure I'm understanding this correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. Now all games will be decided in a win-loss according to the NCAA. And so I believe so. Um, and then, I could be wrong. We might need to do a, retra- uh, a, reda- a redaction for the next podcast. I will double check, though. Okay. So if I'm understanding it correctly, uh, each game will have regulation. If it has to go to overtime, five minutes. And then yep. the home team's conference would get to choose between whether they went to 3v3s and then shoot out or just shoot out. Um, I believe so. And um, that and will count for the NCAA pair-wise. as well. Okay. I believe so. I might be wrong, though. Um, another big rule change that was at least um, big in my mind was that there are video reviews for ejections now. I think that's a great addition to the rules. I think anytime you're going to yes. be ejecting someone, you need to be sure. Um, and I I hope that that leads to refs being more willing to eject people. Um, because I, they're, I, hope it, I hope it leads to safer play, to be honest. Yes, because yes exactly. Uh, a lot of the time is stuff happens so fast and it might not look as bad as it was. But when you like smack somebody in the head and you're able to see like how much force was actually put on that person, it it, it actually kind of gets really scary really fast. Yeah, concussions aren't anything to mess with. Um, no. Do you as know if Hawks that fan, means uh, that they'd be able to review penalties as well, or just whether they want to add an ejection to a penalty? I believe it's just if they want to add an ejection to a penalty. Okay, I think. I might be wrong. Again, um, I will double check for the next podcast and we might need to make some redactions. Um, So some minor other significant rule changes are the committee redefined slashing to better encourage enforcement. Catch up with the NHL there. Yep. um, Better substitution. Um, Basically, 
there'll be too many men or a legal substitution if the puck is or if they're within five feet of the ice before the bench so basically when you have people coming off the player that's coming off needs to be within five feet of the bench for the other player to come on okay it's basically it's basically what it is in overtime games each team will have a, a timeout now regardless of whether the timeout was used during regulation so basically they're giving two timeouts now if you go into overtime um the skaters allowed on each team this is big was increased from to 19 from 18 so i don't understand why they would do that that doesn't make sense to me my guess would be for an additional goalie maybe but it's skaters that's not like a goalie is a skater is it aren't they no they don't contours that because the 18 is you have six and 12 right you got six defensemen and 12 forwards correct goalie doesn't count towards that Right, oh, and so that yeah. that really confuses me. I mean, why um, are people going to run thirteen forwards or seven D? Uh, that I, I think that's just a be, weird I rule. Could, I think it could make some pretty interesting line combinations, though. I, mean, I guess, but that's just a. I don't know. I don't like could, it. You could, you could possibly do a five five defensemen and then what fifteen forwards? No, you'd have fourteen forwards. You'd have to run forwards. four defensemen to. To have five lines of forwards, that'd be crazy. Um, yeah, but it could you, be. It could make some interesting situations. See, I would almost think that you'd be more likely to run four lines of D uh, with three centers if you if you had a situation where you you know you had three really good centers and you wanted to get them a little more ice time. You could have, especially if you had a team or a player kind of like Mark Ock last year, where you can have them play up and you can have them play defense. Uh, yeah. I guess that does give you a little bit of leeway to be able to to change things up. I don't know how beneficial that'll be. I mean, a lot of you get the benefit of having another set of legs, uh, and so you're able to to have people a little more rested, I guess. Um, but I feel like there's, I, I don't know. I don't think it'll help that much. I think it just gives uh, a coach an ability to give a two way player a better a better spot necessarily so that might be we'll see how it pans out yeah so well for example like based on pairings as well so if you have someone like mark ock and you're seeing that a team's lines are either favored for very strong offense or very strong defense you can pair them up as you need during the game i guess yeah we'll we'll see so i'll be interested to see how that plays out yeah the next rule here is a player who catches a puck must immediately place it on the ice to for play to continue legally. If a player catches it and conceals it or throws the puck, a minor penalty shall be assessed. So I already thought this was a rule. Uh, I believe it's just a stoppage in play. I don't think... Oh, that, is it? I, I think that's what it was. I don't think it was um, a penalty. I could be wrong. Oh, okay. Um, the next rule here is also to do with um, video review. The re- to reduce the number of video review situations, coaches must use a challenge to review goals scored when a potential high stick is involved or plays where the puck touches the net out of play and then leads to a goal. Or the netting out of play. My excuse, my apologies. Um, it seems kind of bad that they're making a coach use a video review challenge for when the puck um, hits the net. That's kind of the linesman and referee's job to I'm see I'm not, not a fan of challenge coach challenges on goals um i think that if it's a goal you should just review it uh if it if there's any question i mean just review every goal like it takes you for the ones that are obviously goals it'll take you three seconds you can have See someone in a booth who's like that was a goal exactly yeah and exactly you just, just check like ref. you don't want to have a situation 
where a coach has to challenge something because it was a high stick that was really close and you challenge it, you get it wrong, and all of a sudden the ref blows a call in the third period and the coach can't challenge it anymore. And yeah. so you, those situations are are very unfortunate. They're pretty rare, but they're, they still happen, and you don't want that to happen. Uh, I think it makes a lot more sense to just have all the goals be reviewed. And like you would need someone, you know, like the NHL has someone in Toronto. You'd have to have someone who could see all the footage who wasn't one of the referees uh, so to keep the move. The, where's the NCAA hockey headquarters at? <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, somewhere out east, I'm like, sure. I thought they were just like a ghost organization that makes sure his players don't get paid, but that's just me. <laughs> you can use <laughs> their likeness, though. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Student athletes. My apologies. Yeah. Um, moral of the story here, um, I think they should just have a fifth guy at the game in the box reviewing, so that way if a ref does get injured, they have a guy to go on the ice as well. But since that's kind of a rare, a rare thing, it... I don't think it would cost them anything to just put the guy up there and reviewing plays as well. Right. I think that having someone on site to review the goals would work just fine. Um, yep. I think it would be quicker than having to go out to a, a, a theoretical um, NCAA Toronto, for right. example. Yeah, definitely. Okay, moving on. Um, can I get some predictions for the top teams? Um, any number of teams you want, but just top teams in the NCAA as a whole. Uh, if I was going to top teams, I'd have to say... I expect UMD to be back and good again. Uh, mm -hmm. Denver is another team I expect to be very good. And Notre Dame. Uh, I don't think they lost too much this year. And I, while I we played them very right. close, they looked pretty good as well. For uh, sure. Um, for me, I would have to give it to um, number one being UMD just because they didn't lose that much. And now that they have people with tons of experience in the playoffs... Yeah, um, that was gonna be a good thing. That was really the only knock you had against Duluth last year is they had a lot of young players. Uh, yeah, not many of them are gone. They just won nope. it all. They're gonna yeah, be good they, next year. They're gonna be hungry for a repeat as well, given all those young players. Mm -hmm. um, another team, it would be Denver as well. Um, Nodak might be good this year. Um, who knows? Ever since the logo change, they've kind of just been sad. We can um, always hope. <laughs> um, a team I, I'm calling right now that will be interesting to watch is Cornell. Um, they had a very good goaltender last year, and he was a freshman. So I'll be really interested to see how he does this year, and they were looking like they were going to be a pretty good team over in the Ivy League or um, hockey, uh, hockey East, I think. Hockey East. Yeah, there's no Ivy League for hockey yet. No. Even though there's a um, lot of Ivy League teams over there. No, just, wait for, just wait for the switch and then a bunch of teams will get mad and then we'll have WCHA um, gate 2.0 I can't wait yeah I'm just waiting I, there's going to be a conference realignment I, I almost guarantee it eventually someday because, we'll see because my guess here is what the pack, um, pack teams are going to start joining eventually as well that'll take on a the, while but on the West, yeah for sure but I think ASU is kind of leading a good charge over there Anyways, um, moving on to the third period, um, NHL. So I have three off-season highlights here. I'm going to go through the two kind of boring ones first, and then, then we'll get to hear Zach's hot take here. Okay, okay. So first and foremost, this is the most recent one, is that Eric Carlson is now a San Jose Shark. Um, he was traded over for basically um, a bag of pucks. And uh, conditional draft picks that will probably never be seen. Yep, so basically the Sharks got Eric Carlson for a bag of used hockey pucks. And then we have Max Pacioretty being traded to the Golden Knights 
And from what I heard from the deal was the biggest staple was if he would whether or not he would sign an extension with the Knights, and he did. Yes, that's correct. So basically, we have two powerhouse teams in the West that just got even better. And then um, on some lighter news that isn't as important, John Tavares is now a Leaf. John Tavares is a Leaf. Oh, so now, oh now, so we see Toronto, now we see Toronto with the problem of having four first-line forwards. No, 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 that's not or, true. Or centers, uh, my bad. Three first-line centers. Oh. Barlin oh, Home is, is not a first-line center. Um, but, but yeah, the depth so, of the middle for Toronto is insane this year. If you haven't noticed, um, Zach is a big Leafs fan. Uh, yes, uh, for anyone who doesn't know me, I am a Toronto Maple Leafs fan. John is a Chicago Blackhawks fan. Uh, yeah, as a, Chicago, as a Chicago sports fan, I just kind of cry recently because I'm not a Cubs fan either. So it's, it's just the Bears are bad, the White Sox are bad, and then the Blackhawks are just kind of bad right now. I mean, they're the Bears. What do you expect? Yeah, exactly. All right, we don't care about they football. Just, they just blow 20-point leads in the fourth quarter. Anyways, um, moving on, the other big offseason highlight would be the goalie pad size changes. Yes. So, Zach, you got more info on this? Uh, I've got a little bit. There's not a lot out there. Uh, so I'm wondering if this might not be quite as big a deal as I thought it was. Uh, I would have thought there's going to be more information out here about it. But it seems like uh, the NHL is reducing the size of goalie pads, specifically around the elbow and the shoulder. Um, try and make goalies a little less boxy and a little more human-shaped. Um, there's... Obviously, uh, the NHL is obviously doing this because they want more goals to be scored because that's exciting and gets people, you know, hyped up about the game. Uh, but you do have to worry a bit about player safety uh, for the goalies, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not that's going to cause more injuries uh, for the goalies or if, you know, there's also just the psychological factor for the goalies that if they are concerned about injury, uh, are they going to be able to play as well? Are they going to be more hesitant to to go for some block shots or you know to block certain areas you know how are the, how's it going to yeah. affect them i don't know uh i know this has been a conversation that's been going on for a long time with the goalie pad sizes uh so we'll see if that actually this change actually affects anything substantially the biggest the biggest takeaway i got from this is actually it, it didn't actually occur to me now but like we're at a point in time where goalies aren't afraid to take shots anymore no they barely feel but, it. i mean they feel it but not it, like yeah but exactly but with like as the pads start to shrink a little bit like they changed the hockey pants last year for goalies mm-hmm. to, to reduce the padding goalies might get to that point where they might not want to block a shot anymore because they're afraid of like breaking an arm for example if the right. padding in the yeah. arms just isn't there anymore yeah so and there's, i think there's kind of a, a a balancing point there between okay this is going to hurt a bit and so i'll just block it and i'm gonna it's gonna hurt and mm-hmm. feeling like you're gonna break a break something if you yeah. make this block and that kind of tipping point is is scary because a lot of goalies in the nhl are still gonna make the, they're gonna make the save that's what they do and so mm-hmm. if it gets to the point where the padding isn't enough protection anymore you know you're gonna have a bunch of goalies getting hurt and nobody wants to see that uh, so that's what we're hoping to avoid. We'll see what yeah, happens. For sure. Um, a big thing here for me, at least, is I think the NHL needs to look at the goalie mask more than anything because the rate of concussions for players getting hit in the face with pucks is seems to be going higher from what I've noticed, just just on empirical evidence. But just I think they should reevaluate um, the goalie mask and see if they can do anything to make it better without making it like the size of a David Wright MLB helmet. <laughs> Yeah, avoid that. But yeah, player safety is still you know, hugely important. So yep. it's worth looking at too. 
So moving on, um, we don't have that much for the NHL, so um, we'll get some top teams from each division. Um, I guess I'll go first here. For the Metro, I have the Caps. The Atlantic, I have the Leafs because they're the Leafs this year. Um, the Western Conference is a little different here for the Central. As a Hawks fan, I have the Jets, to be honest, because I think they're just the better team all around. And for the Pacific, it's really a toss-up between the Sharks and the Knights. I chose the Sharks. Yeah, so going through in the Metro, I've got the Penguins. Uh, and in the Atlantic, obviously, I'm going with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a Leafs fan, they look really good this year. Uh, in the Central is probably my most surprising pick. I've got the Blues. Uh, and then out in the Pacific, I went with the Golden Knights. So, so you want to give me some real why you have the Penguins over the Caps? So the Penguins over the Caps, uh, I the Capitals are still going to be a good team. They obviously they just won the cup, but going into last season, before even the season happened, if you would ask people, you know, how are the Capitals going to be this year, they would have said. The year before that was them going for it all. And then last year that's, was they were projected to go down. That's and not what Avi said at that press conference after the after the cup win. That's true. Um <laughs> but they were projected to have a worse season last year. And during the regular season, they did. They yeah. they struggled for a decent portion of last year um tj Oshi did not perform oh she didn't look good because he was on my fantasy team he did not perform holtby didn't look good in the regular season no um and now uh their backup whose name is escaping me right now um Phoenix copley no the the guy who played last year played like half oh, of the season yeah no um, i thought copley was the backup now though he is now yeah but okay the the guy basically last year during the regular season they had a a 1A, 1B kind of situation during the regular season where Holtby was only started like half the games. And uh, if that happens again this year, sweet, because mm-hmm. Phoenix Copley gets to the start. And, you know, as a Tech hockey fan, I'm excited to see an alumni get to play in the league. But you'd be playing a guy who's got basically no experience in the pro game. Um and um, it should be noted here that Phoenix Copley kind of gave us a heart attack every time he left the crease. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's he's not a bad goalie, but he's a bit aggressive sometimes yeah. and not the best puck handler. So there's, there's a lot of questions I have around the Capitals team this year. Uh, the goaltending I'm, is very questionable. Obviously, Holtby can turn it on and be an incredible goalie. But last year during the regular season, he looked bad at times. Um, so that that's a question, and also just their core is getting older. Um, even last the year, Hawks. they're becoming the Kings. Oh yeah, um, even worse. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's <laughs> debatable, but uh, you just you don't know what to expect with them. Uh, and so I expect them to be good. I think they'll probably still make the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to win their conference uh, okay. or their division. I should say. Moving on to the Atlantic, um, we both chose the Leafs here. Um, basically, I think they're like the only competitive team in that conference. That is absolutely not true. Or division. Tampa. Well, it, Tampa well, is see, still filthy it, good. No, I know they're good, but I just don't think they have the experience that Toronto brings to the table, I, if you will. I mean, I th- I think they do. I mean, they've had they've gone further in the playoffs uh, the last couple of years keeping out the the year that they missed playoffs when uh, Stamkos was injured. 
Uh, Tampa's mm-hmm. going to be really good this year. Um, what was up with uh, their general manager leaving? That is an excellent question. Steve Eiserman has stepped down as the general manager of Tampa Bay, uh, and no one really knows yet. There's a lot of rumors going around that he's going to come back to Detroit and take over the GM job there. Um, Fix the Red Wings. He can try. I mean, he did a great job putting together the Tampa Bay team. Uh, yeah. That team's a monster right now. I I, I still think the Leafs are, are just oh, by, I, by far the better team. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I would say that we're – I would say they're better, but I think it's close. The offense, for, obviously, for Toronto is out of this world good. Um, the defense has so many question marks. You just assume it's the Riddler. Definitely, um, goaltender is kind of hit or miss sometimes as well. Yeah, I'd say I'm not too worried about Frederick Anderson. Uh, I think he was a little overworked last year. He played sixty mm-hmm. some odd games in the regular oh, season. Jesus. Okay, he, he had the most. He had the most starts of any goalie in the regular season last year, um, because Babcock would only ever play the backups on the back half of a back to back. That was the only time that Anderson didn't play. So I'm hoping that this year he lets the backups play a little more, which is you don't really know who the backup's going to be yet. Uh, McElhaney played really well as a backup last year, but every time you watch him play, you don't understand how. He's flopping mm-hmm. around and flying all over the place and somehow had like a 9-3-9 uh, save percentage last year in 20 games or so. Um, But also... Uh, Garrett Sparks in the the minor league last year in with Toronto Marlies in the AHL had the most wins ever as an AHL goalie and the best save percentage in the minors. Um, so you're looking at him like he's got a chance to come up and and be a good backup as well. Uh, so if they give one of those people a few more starts and Anderson doesn't have to play 60 games in the regular season, I think he'll look better in playoffs during the regular season. Anderson looked fine. Uh, he was an above average goalie. He wasn't amazing, but with that offense, you only need above average in that. Uh, I'm still more concerned about the defense than anything else. Okay, that's understandable. Uh, moving on to the Western Conference and the Central Division, I chose the Jets. Um, basically, I feel like the Central Division is now one of the weakest divisions in the NHL. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'd have to... I'd say it's the most top-heavy division in the NHL. Uh, Winnipeg and, and Nashville are both going to be really good still. I think Winnipeg's going to be better than Nashville. Um, you have that, to wonder if Pecorini is going to be able to come back from that playoffs, those playoff losses he had. He looked really bad in some of the games against Winnipeg. Um, if he's just if that mess just messes with his head and he can't ever get his game back to the level it was at, Nashville's going to struggle. Um, Winnipeg looked really good. I expect them to be good again. And then, but Minnesota, not very good. Colorado, you have no idea what to expect from them. They went from being awful to pretty decent in one season. Could have been a fluke. They could improve again. Dallas and Chicago are both bad, and the team I haven't mentioned yet is St. Louis. And I think they're going to be the best team in the in the Central this year. Um, they added a lot of new players. Ryan O'Reilly was is actually really good. Uh, he looked good on Buffalo, which is impressive. Um, to to put up twenty some odd goals 
playing with basically no one in Buffalo to go to the <laughs> go to the Blues, and now he's going to get to play with Tarasenko. Yeah, they're going to light some stuff up. Uh, their defense is pretty solid, um, and Jake Allen is, I think, an underrated goalie. Uh, I think they're going to have a really good year. Yeah. I would say I would put the Blackhawks up there, but there's too many unknowns for right now. Um, for example, um, Corey Crawford um, actually going on a top goal hit on later was revealed to have a concussion syndrome from Melikin from Pittsburgh Penguins doing knee-to-head contact on him. Um, in addition, the core is just old, and it's kind of hit or miss or whether or not they'll have good seasons or if they'll just stay old and not do anything. Um so that's my hot take, at least, on my, my favorite team. Um, the Pacific Division here, I chose the Sharks because they basically have star-studded talent throughout the entire lineup. Um, they still have Pavelski. They still have Thornton. Thornton's coming back from, I believe, a knee break or a leg break or something like that. Pavelski's healthy. Um, they have Kane, who they re-signed. I'm yeah, surprised Kane they were able to get him. Really good. Yep, they have... Uh, uh, shoot, who's the who's the defenseman that's Brent always in there? Yeah, thank you, Burns, the and then and then Eric Carlson. So Eric they have freaking Carlson, man. Exactly. Just I think the reason I chose the Sharks was just because of the star-studded talent they have. Um, you saw this work in Chicago for a good eight years ish, and I think even though these guys are kind of older than what Chicago was able to pull off, I think they at least have one or two good seasons out of them where. They can just put the team on their backs and just go. I I agree. I think San Jose is going to be really really scary this year. Um, but I, I've I like I said I picked Vegas. Um, I think it's going to be between Vegas and San Jose. I think everyone else in that division is pretty bad. Um, and you got Arizona and Vancouver, who are two of the worst teams in the league. You know, only teams that can compete with them for last place is is probably Ottawa. Uh, <laughs> Edmonton has to improve this year. There's no they way that they have they, they have Connor McDavid. They have to. They've got Connor McDavid. Their goaltending is all right. Talbot's nothing special, but he's okay. Uh their power play last or penalty kill, sorry, last year was the weirdest thing. They had an above average penalty kill on the road and a historically bad penalty kill at home. It didn't make any sense, and, but it w- went the whole year. Like, just something was in their heads, whatever it was. If they can just shake that, <laughs> I think yeah. they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to compete for the first place, but I think they can compete for a wild card. Uh, they've got yeah, the, I, I the think, talent on that team to compete. Yeah, I think a team we didn't cover, though, would be the New Jersey Devils, and I think they'd be a good team to watch as well this year with um, Hall. Especially, and then they have some good young talent as well. Yeah, they've got a lot of young talent. They got a lot of speed. They're an exciting team to watch right now. Uh, I think that they will do better. I still, like I said, I don't think they will be. I think they'll make for the playoffs. The, oh yeah, I think they'll make playoffs again. Uh, but I don't think they'll compete for the first place in the Metro. Uh, I think both Washington and Pittsburgh are, are still going to be better than them. I think they can uh, leapfrog over. Columbus and Philly, who finished ahead of them last year, uh, they were really yeah, close I, though. So, did Columbus resign Panarin? Uh, I don't know what's going on with that actually. I actually don't know. I'm gonna look this up real quick. Um, so continue. Um, yeah. So going back to the Pacific, uh, we've got Vegas, and the reason that I picked Vegas uh, is because they, well, they did lose uh, James Neal in the off season. 
they picked up Paul Stastny. They picked up Max Pacioretty. Uh, both of those are, are big players. I think that's going to help them a lot. Uh, and they still have a, albeit old, one year older, 33-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury is still an incredible goalie. He's still got the potential to straight up just carry a team to the playoffs. And last year, he didn't even have to carry this team. This team carried Malcolm Subban through half the season, it felt like. Um, so I don't think yeah. they're going to regress as much as I, I – mean, going into last year, I thought they were going to be awful – they surprised me a lot. They've picked up a few new players that are going to be good. And also something to note, they still have $9 million of cap space right now and a ton of picks in the next three years. Yeah, they, they can make they moves. They a really good job yeah. setting up. They've got next year all of their draft picks plus a second, uh, two more third rounders and a fifth rounder. 2020, yep. they have two additional seconds in all their picks. Jeez. And 21, they have all but their third round pick. So they've still got four additional picks in the first three rounds in the next two years that they can use to move and nine and a half million of cap space. Yep. They can so, move it, move stuff at the deadline, pick up another player and mm-hmm. really make a run for it. So going back to Panarin real quick, um, apparently he has not signed with anything. I don't know if his contract expired or not, but if it did, he has not signed with anybody and he has a September 13th deadline as the last day he wants to do it before he chooses a team i believe that he's still got one more year under uh the the blue jackets this year they're trying to get him signed he's an rfa right now i believe Um, okay yeah i i don't know that for sure yeah he's a he's an rfa this year so he will be playing on assuming he doesn't get traded he will be playing for the blue jackets this year He'll be an unrestricted free agent Um, next year. It should be noted that he's on a hell of a deal for his skill as well because the Hawks signed him for cheap and then traded him. Yeah, he's at six million right now, and he's he deserves to be paid way more than that. So, okay. So here's our last uh, last ish segment here. Um, We kind of just we kind of just been working on some other stuff here. So we don't have an overtime for this podcast, for example, but we do have two minor. I guess, overtime-esque topics. The first one here is um, called the penalty box. It's basically just a two-minute section of ranting and talking about anything hockey-related. Um, for this topic, Zach doesn't have anything, right? Oh, he's typing, uh, just ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I, I want to get a timer up. Oh, oh boy. So do you actually have a topic set up or no? Uh, I don't, but I'm going to give you two minutes, and then I'm going to cut you off. Five, four, three, two... One. Where do I even begin? NHL. It's been it's been a wild ride, but you need to get your stuff together, man. I'm gonna keep this rated PG thirteen, at least for this rant. Um, there's this thing called goaltender interference, and there's a there's a dictionary, and the definition's probably in there, but apparently you don't know how to read. Instead, you have refs making just hearsay calls where either the goalie was bumped and up oh, goal's not allowed, or the goalie was tapped and up oh, five minute major for ramming the goalie and then you have other things where you see Corey Crawford get a knee to the head by Melkin and get taken out for an entire nine months he's still not playing with the team he is skating and that's it it has been nine months and he's suffering from post-concussive syndrome you really need to protect your goalies um it's not that hard if you run into them and they can't do their job it's goaltender interference we've had probably like what 
I can probably give look on YouTube and find three to four different clips of just stuff going either way. So it's it's not one way or another. It's both ways. You need to train your refs. They're looking like NFL replacement refs out there with this call because you won't take your head out of your butt and fix the rule. It's not that hard. You just write it down on a piece of paper and change it. I mean, is it, is it that hard to not take a goal away from someone who earns it? Other than that, I mean, the refs don't even know what they're doing. You have guys out there with tons of experience and nothing's happening. Nothing at all. And we're talking professional refs who are trained and paid to do this as their job and they don't know what the heck they're doing. It's like if I were to go become a professional race car driver, but I didn't know how to use a gas pedal. It's something that's easy, but I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to use it or I'm going to make mistakes. And it's just, it's, it's, it's unexcusable. It's, it's like when replay was first introduced to the Major League Baseball where you would have home run reviews, but then those were still really bad because it was the early 2000s Done. and the cameras weren't that good. Shut up. Damn. <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, that's the penalty box. Um, nice rant. So it's, yeah, thank you. I was trying to keep it very civil. That was, I was impressed. Thank you. Um, anyways, so that's going to be that. We'll probably try to do that at least once every podcast where we'll have either one of us or both of us do take two minutes out of their time to rant or talk about something. Um, so the final thing that we have for today, besides our, our last section here, which is just for more fun, is uh, a section that Zach actually came up called the line change. And basically what it is, is it's basically a, a reoccurring segment, but the segment's always different every, every single podcast. So that's, that's hence the name. So Zach, you didn't have any ideas for today, right? Nope. Nope. So again, me putting the podcast on our back here today, Carry um, the team. My, my idea at least was, um, is a new trend that's coming around in the NHL. It isn't a rule, but there's a new trend that teams are updating their information or injury information policy and actually telling you what's wrong with the players. Based on my personal knowledge here is St. Louis started it last year and then a lot of teams are jumping on the bandwagon, for example. Um, the most recent example is the Chicago Blackhawks where last year Corey Crawford had a hit to the head and it was just labeled as vertigo and an upper body injury and now we know that it was a bad concussion. So what are your thoughts and uh, uh, opinions on this, Zach? Well, obviously, as someone who likes to know what's going on, I'm happy that I will know more about what's, you know, how the players are, you know, whether they're going to be healthy. This is on a team-by-team basis, though. I I know it's not every team, but just there's more information out there, and I enjoy being able to find that information. Uh, Mm -hmm. I know that one of the reasons teams have been hesitant to do this in the past is they're worried that if, you know, they know, if opposing teams know that, you know, say that your star player is injured and he's coming off of uh, he messed up his his knee, right? He tweaked his knee and he was out for a couple weeks and wasn't wasn't broken, wasn't you know didn't tear an MCL or anything, but he tweaked it and that was what was he was concerned about. Comes back in and you know that that going to this game, your opponent's best player's got a, a knee that's injured. You know, are they going to start targeting that knee? Are they going to go after it specifically? Try and trying to either throw them off their game and get in their head or even worse, try to re-injure that injury, uh, which is why a lot of teams would just stick with, oh, it's a lower body injury. So, you know, okay, something in the lower body, but, you know, you don't know if that's his ankle, he broke his foot, or if his knee's messed up. And so... The the biggest thing for me that comes out of this, going off of your point, is um, the Blackhawks Lightning's uh, World Cup, or Stanley Cup. 
series. Um, if you remember, um, Ben Bishop played with a torn groin for like two or three games. Mm-hmm. And if the Hawks actually knew about it, like the amount of just abuse they could do to him with the types of shots that they take would just be insane. Right. And that's another thing is yeah, it can limit. There can be injuries that aren't going to necessarily stop you from playing, but it'll take away some of your ability to do certain things. Uh, yeah. And so there would just, even if there wasn't a malicious intent of, oh, we're going to actually injure that, it would give them a competitive advantage in that they could, you know, make a certain type of play that would be easily defended if you could do a certain thing that you aren't able to because you're injured. And mm-hmm. so if they know what it is, they're better able to attack it strategically, even if they're not attacking it physically. Yep, exactly. So there's an upside for people being informed, but there's also a downside because people are informed. Right. So it's, yeah. it's an interesting thing. Um, I don't really no, it, know how I feel about it. I again, guess I, I am happy to see it uh, just because I like to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, both of us come from a baseball background as well, and they kind of just tell you everything. Like, they even tell you, like, MRI results the day of what happens. So, for example, um, Michael Kopech on the White Sox um, tore his uh, something in his elbow and he needs Tommy John surgery, and they just straight up said, here's what happened. He's out until 2020, and since we traded Chris Sale for him, I'm kind of sad. But anyways, um, going off of our history, though, that's what that's why we're both kind of comfortable with this. Um, again, for somebody who's been in a hockey um, upbringing, they might not like it because, again, taking advantage of somebody else's injury is not really that sportsmanlike or right. Well, it's it's not cool. necessarily a sportsmanlike. It, I think part of it's just the physicality of the game. Uh, I know yeah, it's not sure. in in say football. Uh, they don't tell you what's going on with injuries very much either. Uh, they're very mm-hmm. hesitant to tell you any real information. Uh, and I think it is due a lot to the physicality of the game, um, where in baseball, you know. There's really not a lot of physical contact oh, other than like your catcher collisions. Yeah, or, yeah, or like that. running into catchers. No catcher collisions anymore. Thanks, uh, Buster Posey. Yeah, that was right. I'm, uh, a, I'm a little salty about that, but that's regardless. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot of physicality, and so if you are playing, you're not likely to have any interaction with the other player. Uh, yeah. And if you can't do you know, if you can't like hit for something, for, there's no reason you're going to be playing if you can't hit or if you can't throw the ball or anything like that. Whereas in hockey, yeah. there could be things you can be doing, even if there's some part of your game that's a little, little weaker. Off. Yeah, like um, if you have a broken finger, you can still use a stick pretty well. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think slap. there's much strategic play with that because I don't think that baseball players are going to play if there's anything that you could play around really. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that about wraps it up for us here on the first episode of the Get Pucks Deep podcast. Um, should be out, should be noted there that if you would like to contact us at all, you can contact us at gpdpodcast at gmail.com. That is getpucksdeeppodcast at gmail.com, just the first letter of every word and the full word podcast at the end. Um, our last section here is a shameless sponsor plug for we don't have any sponsors right now. CCM hit us up with that free hockey gear or Bauer hit us up with those free skates. Um, I will take any free hockey swag. Yep. I don't Michigan care who Tech, it is. Michigan Tech, if you're listening, if you want to give me some free season tickets so I can cover your team, I'm more, more than welcome to take them here. Hook us up. Yep. So that about does it for us. Um, again, my name's John. Um, my partner here is Zach, and we'd like to thank you very much for listening to the first episode. Um, we don't know when this will be going up. This has been recorded on um, September 16th. Um, we still got to edit it, cut it, and all that stuff, maybe throw in some music. But thank you very much, and if you have any 
comments or questions, feel free to send us an email. Um, anything else you want to say, Zach? Why are you still listening? Unless you skip to the end and then like, okay, I get it. But why are you still listening? Um, because they like hockey. I mean, that's the whole point of this <laughs> podcast is to expand hockey here. I'm trying to keep us going so we're at least an hour and oh hour and a half. <laughs> oh, gotta Anyways, hit those quotas. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, it's still a pretty short podcast in comparison. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, thank you everybody again if you're still listening. Um, we don't know when this is going to be done. How often? We're going to probably shoot for maybe at least maybe twice a month, maybe up to once a week if possible. Um, definitely after every tech hockey game, maybe. Um, so, definitely maybe definitely maybe um so, so much of this is going on the cutting room floor it's fine <laughs> <laughs> so the moral of the story here is we'll hopefully record this every sunday and then hopefully we'll have it up by monday or tuesday and then you can listen to it and also read tech hockey guide we really recommend going off to tech hockey guide as well they have great information and great stories yeah if somehow you're listening to this and you don't read tech hockey guide i don't know what's happening in your life but you need to change that yeah i don't know if we can be friends I don't know if we can be friends anyways. I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. Very true. Um, well, I'm assuming our moms will listen to this. So, hi, mom. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thanks for everything. And for the Get Pucks Deep podcast, I'm John. I'm Zach. And always remember to get pucks deep. Get pucks to the net. And, uh... When's the monkey games? <laughs>